Tim Joyce, you know. Hey, hey, hey. We made another week, first of all, so congrats. Secondly, yep, yep. this um, is a big deal. We're, we're staying consistent. We're we're staying good. Um, yep. And I know this time, this is, I think, the first time that I'm the one that's running late. And you were like, I'm here. You're the one that makes me nervous all the time. Like, is he going to show up on time? I got, like, anxiety <laughs> over it. Um, but yeah, so I like that. It, it, it's, it's my... <laughs> It's my need to create attention, you know, if I, you know, I get attention as a result of walking in a minute late. <laughs> no, listen, um, and while, you know, I, we usually kind of do the recaps of our days and weeks or whatever, but yep. I would suggest we we both have pretty limited time today. We have an awesome, um, amazing entrepreneur on with us coming on. So Yosef and I, uh, we crossed paths when I was living in Amsterdam um, and Yosef awesome. came to one of the Amsterdam Health 2.0 pitches, you know, pitch your startup kind of thing. And there comes this Yosef, which I think the name of the company was different, but we were doing the same thing, but, you know, pivoted the names. But I will shut up now. Welcome to the shot. Yosef, Hi, Jim, Jim, Yosef. By the way, what Eugene was just saying was the first ever pitch I did, like in public. Uh, with with you, yeah. Oh, really? Wow! I feel honored. How do you do? No idea. How do you do? I mean, we're still talking, and I invited him to <laughs> to, to the shot. So. <laughs> Must have done all right. <laughs> but um... <laughs> awesome. Well, nice welcome, to you, um, Jim. And for our millions of listeners and viewers, you know, take us through a little bit of your story, history, wherever you want to start. Uh, obviously, we're going to end with somewhere today and then going forward. But it's up to you where you want to start. And we'll dive deeper into the questions. Yeah, um, maybe some background. So I lived half of my life between the Netherlands and the Lebanon. Uh, and half okay. of my family are either engineers or doctors. Uh, okay. And my father, actually, when he was deciding what to study, he uh, did a coin flip. His mother told him, do a coin flip and decide what you want to be. So on one hand, engineer, the other hand, um, doctor. So he did the flip and it turned out engineer. So he became an architect and a civil engineer um, and really deep into engineering. And sometimes he feels like um you know his heart is still with with medical yeah uh so when i when okay. i was uh, growing up i i loved math you, you know math and physics you know and basketball those three things were really close to my heart right and so i knew i wanted to do engineering but i didn't know what kind of engineering uh so my father who had taught in a university called delft uh which is based in the netherlands said look mm -hmm. at their website so I went to the website, and the first thing I see is a Formula One car. And that was my fourth thing. I was, at that time, really interested in Formula One. So I said, let's study that. And that turned to, out to be aerospace engineering. And along that way, I specialized in sensors or mechatronic, um, uh, mechatronic devices. So anything that measures signals, information uh, in the aerospace, but also automotive space. Now, let me let me just kind of close the loop here. Um, so my father um, one day was driving down the highway and suddenly felt his heart, you know, racing. So he he turned over the car 
went straight to the emergency room and nobody could figure out what was going on. So he spent the next couple of months trying to figure out, trying, you know, uh, you know, ins and out different procedures. And then I think only six months later, they were able to um, um, diagnose it as one of a very common heart rhythm disorder that if left untreated could lead to stroke. Um, and although I loved what I was doing in aerospace, I, I didn't like the application area, just metals and machines and improving that half of a percent mm -hmm. um, uh, of fuel efficiency, although very important, but that's not where my passion lies. So I always, you know, I think from the early days, maybe Eugene, we've also met in the quantified self world. Yeah, that's um, right. That's right. Like, how can we tie technology to people? And this came right. out like, hey, wait, this is a problem to be solved. And um, basically the background we have, you know, the, we're, we're using same, the same software, our team that we use for aerospace engineering. It's just like the MATLAB and the simulation software and um, so the knowledge is the same, have you, but the application area. Have you, have you implanted any of it in Eugene? <laughs> uh, Eugene is perfectly healthy, so he doesn't but, need anything. But I do have the implant, just not theirs, right? I have the damn chip in there. <laughs> yeah. Can you still pay everywhere with your... Uh... No, I, I, you remember that, right? I was trying to kind of use that instead of the uh, Metro card in, in Amsterdam. So, and I think it worked for like a day right. and there's too many changes, but... Uh, no, it's kind yeah, of useless, yeah, yeah. honestly, right yeah. now. But yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe just, I, it, you know, that's the beauty of the healthcare industry that many of the entrepreneurs going into the space, there's always a personal story. And, you know, outside of that, maybe your first public pitch, you know, maybe also kind of dive a little deeper, like, you know, just that entrepreneurial spirit and especially in Netherlands, right? I mean, I, I think for some of the viewers, listeners, I've lived there for five years, love every single moment of it. It's highly kind of transactional country, but also, you know, just get the deal done. Let's move things forward. Let's innovate. I don't know, stereotypically maybe, but generally speaking. So we'd love to hear your local experience through this journey. Yes. So um, actually to my, well, to maybe your, the Dutch are very, non-transactional when it comes to partnerships and innovation. Mm. Um, so what I really, one of our main reasons for being where we are today is because of the supportive uh, ecosystem that the Dutch have towards innovation. Uh, so just a simple example, like setting up a clinical study. Um, when you knock the door, you're not greeted with a um, just a bill. You know, this is what it would cost uh, as when you would go to maybe a certain U.S. hospitals. Uh, you know, you say, I want to do a study with 10 patients. The first person that comes to talk to you is the, the person that writes out the, the invoice. Um, and whereas in the Netherlands, I think there's a lot of innovation focused mindset. It's not a country where you win. You become, you know, this huge company, but it's a country where that gives you the freedom to operate, experiment, uh, establish your fundamentals. Um, and so one of the studies that came out recently is that, you know, 75% of VC funded companies have no clinical studies. Uh, so and it, because often it's a huge chunk of money to conduct long studies. Uh, so we've conducted mm. three year studies 
two year studies, 1250 patient studies. But yeah. the way we accomplished it was through partnerships. So, um, um, and that really helped us forward. Even the, the municipality of Amsterdam, the Dutch Heart Association, um, the hospitals, um, you know, they're very supportive. Now, maybe to add to Eugene, the pace of how things move in the US is probably three times faster. So we do have a okay. lag. Um, but maybe we're lucky because we're in healthcare where everything moves slow anyway. So if you were a tech-focused mm. consumer product, you probably, you know, you know, you see Dutch companies really fast move to the US to be successful uh, because of the capital needs, because of the, the speed to ed- execution that's needed. Uh, whereas in, in healthcare and medical, your clinical fundamentals but also your adoption by the key opinion leaders and the cardiologists or, or the healthcare professionals that you're dealing with, they don't change their mind from one day to the day, you know, is, mm. are you there hey, from year to year uh, working closely with us together? So the trust is gained so you can collaborate. I'll pause here. Uh, see so, yeah, no, maybe just for, even for me, cause I know you guys know each other, but the maybe just the name of the company and what the technology actually does, you know, because I've got that you've got awesome clinical trials and awesome relationships, but I'm I'm a little bit of a I'm slow with the yeah, <laughs> slow. no, it's good to bring him back, bring him back, Jim. Let's bring it back. So <laughs> what we do is thirty percent of heart rhythm disorders are undetected. Uh, and the reason why they're undetected is because they can be uh, with something called asymptomatic. So they can be there for one moment. By the time you visit your physician, they're not there. And it's one of the leading causes of stroke affecting, for example, in the U.S., we have 170,000 hospitalization, 120,000 deaths. Um, And the challenge is having the, 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 the device with you at the time that it occurs, which a lot of patients do not have. And we solve this problem using your smartphone. So we take an ordinary iPhone or Android phone. And by placing your finger on the camera for 90 seconds, we can detect atrial fibrillation, similar to an Apple Watch, but without the watch. And so we offer the 2 billion people that have a phone versus the 100 million that have a watch, a very accessible uh, health equity solution to reach a lot of the undiagnosed patients. And what's the name of the tech? The tech is, we're called Happy Tech. The tech is called Heart Rhythm SDK. So that's the okay. official I think I name. Well, you, you must have seen it. You must have yeah. seen it because while we never got to kind of full or any of that integration, actually Happy Tech is in our toolbox for the coaches. We just haven't gotten there yet uh, fully, but uh Part of that is to enable some of the heart health coaches, again, non-clinical aspects of it to give some previous. But, you know, for all these millions of viewers and listeners, we just have not prioritized it. And I can download this now from the store. Do I have to be part of like a a clinical program? Correct. So we are offering this at the moment uh, B2B. So the hospitals provide it to the patient. Um, And so we focused on becoming integrated into into healthcare care flows where if a patient has something, they can be helped, they can be treated. Um, And so indeed it's the physician, it's the nurses that provide or prescribe the solution to the patients. 
But Joseph, remind me, and I'm, I could be completely going crazy because um, I was living in Amsterdam for five years. Um, but there was, you guys went more or less direct to consumer, and it was one of the most downloaded games or something in Netherlands where you collected quite a lot of info which i'm sure so take us through that like i remember this you guys were all over the news correct yeah okay yeah so we've we've created an sdk so probably everybody's like okay so what and one of the challenges is like how do you show the power of the technology um and it's it's really hard as a standalone uh sdk api it doesn't say something it's the application that brings it to life and so in our journey also, because we weren't, uh, we were mostly working in wellness, so not yet prevention, not yet regulated medical, which was ultimately our goal. We knew that a lot of partners in the well space, uh, like Eugene, would benefit from our heart rate or heart rate variability technology, but it was really difficult to promote that. And so what we did, we created this game where, that you control using your heart rate. So... Ooh. It's kind of like a mindfulness game, you know, that you put your finger on the camera, it detects your heart rate, and your goal is to become calm, or sometimes even get excited. <laughs> and so that <laughs> blew up completely, you know, we were like the top app in I don't know how many countries, and we even um, had Tim Cook speaking on it about on a keynote. Uh, uh, um, and and it basically brought the attention that we wanted, and it created our first partnerships, where our technology okay. was used uh, in a variety of situations, and also helped us to accelerate our medical uh, impact. So we always wanted to have the impact on on the patients, but the journey is just very long, as you will hear later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. From point A to point B. And wh where's the company at right now? Like, what's your what's your stage? Are you have you raised lots of capital? Do you have the partnerships? Are you, yeah, you know, Netherlands, US? So we've been very, let's say, capital efficient. So and the reason why is we've been able to do the, a lot of these partnerships. So some of the other companies like MedTech stages to get to an CE TGA cleared, you needed to raise 10, 20 million to get to that phase. And so through really this ecosystem that we've created of partners of, you know, working with, you know, very ambitious uh, um, remote patient monitoring companies, we've been able to achieve a huge footprint. So, for example, we were chosen to be the national screening partner in the Netherlands, where we're going to screen 160,000 patients uh, together with the Heart Association. Again, it's because you're in the ecosystem. And so yep. if you have a strong technology and you have the clinical evidence, you can go there. Um, and so indeed, we, we are considered, you know, series A, in between series A and seed. Um, oh, stop defining goal... those these days, man. Yeah, don't, don't worry so... about defining this. No, I know. <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. So, but it's I so funny how, been, yeah, the, that's been a strength. The venture capitalists. Huh? I was saying, Yosef how the venture industry has put definitions versus the entrepreneurs defining ourselves, right? Like of where we're at, you know? Yeah, exactly. This is why I started with our progress because the money, some people can have like right. 50 money in the bank, but a deployment of five, 50 patients. And Might we have, be huge. you know, huge deployments. Uh, yep. uh, but we believe now combining capital with what the fundament we have right now will really help to scale. 
So that mindset is also a bit of a Dutch mindset where, you know, you build, you sell, you work. Whereas the U.S. mindset is from day one, just give me a big bag of money. I'm just going to conquer the market. <laughs> even, if I, even if I didn't prove anything, you know, I just have a great story. Right. I just name drop a few people and then, boom, I get the money. So there is a balance. There. Yeah. Well, you got some name. You got some I names to drop there, enough, like you know? Tim Tim Cook. <laughs> I, I was gonna say you know, you, you yeah, need Eugene. to bring that back in your fundraising mode. I'm, you know what? Yes. We're gonna we're gonna tag. Is Tim Cook even on LinkedIn? I don't even know. But you know what? <laughs> Fun mention of the day is gonna be Tim Cook and Apple. There you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. So you know you you mentioned and and that's kind of when I was living there five years. It was definitely this fertile testing ground, right? I mean, it's, if I'm not mistaken, 16 million-ish population overall. And then, you know, all the great entrepreneurs would have their eyes on, you know, let's call it continent, the rest of the continental Europe, you know, broader. But even there, the preference was like, well, let's just hop over to US, right? Because for so many reasons. Is it still that way now? I mean, I haven't lived there in six years now. Uh, like so just repeat the question one more time as I was putting the iPods. I oh, think the headphones? Like going from oh. the Netherlands to me. Uh, so I was saying very briefly, you know, the Dutch entrepreneurs, great testing ground, but then let's go and, you know, 300 Absolutely. million contiguous market. Is it the same still six, Absolutely. seven years later? It's still the yeah. same. And even now it's become even US first because we're changing our medical regulations again. Uh, well, not again, but we're changing our medical regulations. We're changing a lot of our privacy, um, a lot of the security guidelines, making it just more and more difficult to conduct studies, to do research, to do um, so. And and then it, it becomes like it's not worth all the time investment. You might as well go straight to the um, to the biggest market. And the FDA um, are really they really know, um, for example, AI. They're, they have a lot of engineers. They You have the conversation where you understand each other, um, I think, faster. Uh, so you you know, they can, they're very critical, again. But you know what you're up against, like what kind of study you need to do to move forward. Um, so that's, that's very so helpful. So I, I was just going to look up who I know from the Ministry of Health because we need to tag some other people um, <laughs> to hear from the entrepreneurs. But, um, you know, I... It, it's. I, I think everywhere is somewhat convoluted. I agree with you, right? I forget the numbers, but you know, this many X number of technologies have been approved by FDA. Um, but there has been always this like sharing of you know from the trade perspective, from you know best practices. Like I remember Herco and team, right? Um, you know many others. And actually, one other fact that I still remember um, that parts of Obamacare. You know, the whole Obama delegation came to Netherlands and while maybe not fully modeled after Netherlands, but a, a, a number of key components of the Obamacare at the time was actually taken from uh, the Dutch system. Netherlands. And also, when you have a good working healthcare system, right? And most people never have to open their wallet to buy anything to pay for any kind of healthcare service, unless you're getting some plastic surgery or dental work done. Um, and of course you have your own risk. If you, you, you know, you have to pay off a set amount, 
but you don't open your wallet really and so mm. um and so people do not are not used to paying for care so they will use what you have you can you can you could pay ten dollars for an app for example or you can just go to your hospital and the insurance gets charged a few hundred bucks but the mm. patient doesn't have to pay anything so your ten dollar app if it's not reimbursed or if the patient doesn't get access to it for free there needs to be some kind of need, uh, but going through healthcare in the Netherlands is is allows you to be part of the system that people are used to. So that's also the downside of having a good healthcare system. You don't you don't leapfrog, you know, like uh, uh, developing countries right. like you see Brazil, like mobile payments being adopted twenty times faster than right. than. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you need to have something kind of a bit broken in order to. Uh, you know, for, you have for a need, like the need. Yeah, I, I always find like we launched uh, with my company with Health Beacon. The Netherlands was one of the first markets we launched in successfully, but mm. the barrier, uh, sorry, the bar, uh, and then as a result of kind of having a functioning system, you know, you had to, you, you know, you just had to go through the process in a in a different kind of way. I think they were open to innovation. That's the feeling we got, but it took a while. It took a while, and there were yeah. more rules. Other healthcare systems, like you said, you could leapfrog it, and people were just looking for any kind of support they could get their hands on. Yeah. So innovating that part, fit the messy part, like yeah. let's do studies here, let's figure this out, let's try this out. This is great, really. The 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 the, the mindset here is, you know, collaborative, explorative, um, and it doesn't go straight to commercials. And so you have room as a startup to navigate yeah. uh, the ecosystem. Uh, um, uh, much more than maybe uh, the U.S. I know, um, you know, there's just so many ways we can go, uh, but I I know we're both kind of in a rush here, Jim, uh, and I appreciate, Joseph you jumping <laughs> on, but I, you know, while we'd love to go deeper, I think we're going to jump to Jim's, you know, famous question of the day, um, and we'll we'll wrap up. <laughs> And I have, I, have, I have eager board members waiting for me <laughs> coming outside of this thing. Phenomenal it's already people, uh, for the record. It's magical that you were doing it before. <laughs> I was, well, I was is shocked. My, yeah, this is my therapy. Eugene's a therapist for all of us here, you know. So, um, so, so here, so, so you are, um, you're walking through the canals of Amsterdam and you look over and next to the cafe is this, uh, is this exciting? There's a group of entrepreneurs that have just come out of a health 2.0 pitch and, and, and one guy sitting there and he's flipping a coin, he's flipping a coin and you see him and you walk up to him and you say, what are you flipping a coin for? And he says, well, deciding whether I want to be an entrepreneur or a professional basketball player. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then, and he says, and he says, and, and you look at him and you say, well, what's your background? Well, I worked in aerospace engineering and my, family i come from doctors and engineers and actually moved from lebanon and you look at him and just reminds you of a, a younger version of yourself and he looks up and he says he says joseph i've heard of you what's when i start my company what's the one piece of advice you would give me as i start in this venture to build my own health tech company um that's a great question uh because like 20 things come to mind obviously um and I think let's let's call it medtech company because um, you have a long time to market, which is going to be five, six years. And so the design of your clinical studies 
and the regulatory pathway, if you design them in a smart way, you can cut half the time. Um, and it's always a challenge because you are working with the clinician. So they want perfect. Um, and, and there's a balance between perfect and good. And so by choosing a perfect clinical study, you are now, you know, three, four years in the clinical study mode, which is good because it sets us apart that it took that long time and it's a big study. But then from a, if we look at it from an entrepreneur perspective, is there a way that you can design a study in such a way that the patient flow is faster, that the inclusion goes faster, having kind of like an 80-20 rule idea? Because mm. that allows you to move, to move and then maybe do more studies. And to that, if you also bring, you know, a big bag of money, you can get double that effect. So, awesome. <laughs> so finding finding money and the balance between perfect and good. That's the one sentence. I love it. The clinical study. Because that yeah, defines yeah. Your, your medical device. If you want to do it right, you need the clinical study. But the design of that study awesome. can become so complicated. Um, yeah. Yep. Good luck on your board meeting. Well, <laughs> thanks. Yosef, thanks for making the yeah. time over and out. See you guys next week. Bye. Hit subscribe and yeah. pass it on.